every sermon is important, but this sermon felt particularly significant, as it was my first sermon as an ordained deacon in the Church of England. I was ordained deacon at Norwich Cathedral on the 28th of July, and this sermon comes from St Mary's Stis on the 29th of July. It marked the start of my curacy, a time in which I would be in the team ministry, sort of learning and training in all that it means to be a minister, and in time a priest in the Church of England. The passage was Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to the end, and John chapter 6 verses 1 to 21. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder how you feel about prayer. For some of us it may be a life-giving habit while for others it can be an awkward moment of silence, where the sound of the traffic outside suddenly seems particularly noticeable. Some people seem to love the silence, while others want to speak out loud or paint or hold small pebbles in their hand. Prayer can be a tricky thing to talk about, daunting maybe to ask about. If someone were to ask us what prayer is or how to pray, we might find that we have an instinctive idea which turns out to be surprisingly difficult to find the right words for. In my experience, people often say that prayer is a mixture of two things, talking to and hearing from God. It sounds simple, yet it can sometimes seem so hard. Growing up as the child of a vicar, you might expect that praying would come naturally to me, but my experience of prayer has been that it is a discipline, something which has to be actively chosen. I used to go on Christian summer camps, and those would be the spiritual highlight of my years, but any enthusiasm for faith that I gained would slowly fade until midwinter, when I would realise that I hadn't really prayed much in ages. In 2011, I started my theology degree at the London School of Theology, and it was the first time I had spent more than a week or ten days with lots of other Christians my own age. I began to compare myself and my perception of my faith to them, and to be honest, I felt like something of a fraud. I didn't feel holy enough, and so I decided that I would pray every night before going to bed, and that's what I did, every night without fail for first a week, and then a month, and then two months. As time went by, I began to feel frustrated. I didn't see any of the things I prayed for happening in my life or in the lives of my friends. I felt as though I was just mumbling at the ceiling while I lay in bed. One Monday night I had had enough. I prayed and I told God quite clearly that he's not interested in my prayers, and so while I'll still pray when I go to church or with other people, 
This would be my last time praying before I go to bed. Tuesday morning came and I went to chapel for the weekly service. After chapel we would all walk to lunch. I was just looking at the menu pinned to the wall outside when I heard someone say my name. I turned and I saw Brendel, a wonderfully enthusiastic Pentecostal lady who, to be quite honest, I didn't quite know what to make of. She explained to me that last night she'd had a dream, and she'd seen me praying by my bed. And she said that God told her, You must tell Samuel that he is not to stop praying, because I do hear his prayers. To say that I was bowled over would be an understatement. It was quite impossible for this to be a lucky guess or a mistake. It had to be a message from God saying to keep on praying. And I have since become convinced that this message does not mean that I, Samuel, now Reverend Samuel, standing before you, am some kind of magical or special prayerer. Not at all. Rather, I am convinced that this is a testimony that God hears all of our prayers, even, and especially, when we feel like he doesn't. So what's the deal with prayer? Yes, we might say that we talk to God and that we listen to God in prayer. I think that while true, this is not the complete picture. And it's a picture which cannot be conveyed properly through finding the right words. There is an elusive, mysterious something which cannot be grasped by clever words, but only lived through a constant and faithful choosing to pray. We see a glimpse of this in our Gospel reading today, when Jesus, seeing that the crowd were ready to make him king by force, retreats up onto the mountain. He goes alone and returns to his disciples later. We know from the Gospels that Jesus often went off by himself into the hills and onto the mountains to pray. He chooses to do this this time, having just fed the five thousand. The crowd had begun to say that he was the prophet who was to come into the world, so let us make him king. It could have been tempting to get swept up in the drama and the energy of the situation, but instead Jesus keeps his focus on his heavenly father by heading up the mountain, because even Jesus, the son of God, prays. So too does St Paul. It's safe to say that some people have mixed feelings about Paul, and that in places he can seem, well, let's say controversial. In fact, in the autumn, our Discover groups will be exploring Paul and his letters in an effort to understand him better. Now, I don't know how you feel about Paul, but I wonder, have you ever thought about how Paul would feel about you? Our reading today makes this very clear, because here we have Paul praying for the church, first in Ephesus, and then for all generations, forever and ever. We may feel that Paul was a long time ago, that he's in a different context and that he can be overly complicated, but here he lays it all on the line and prays for us across the ages. And what a prayer it is. The prayer starts, For this reason. Well, what reason? 
Just before this prayer, Paul is explaining that his mission is to help us understand the mystery of Christ, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in all its richness might be made known. Because of Paul's desire that we might all grow to understand more clearly the mystery of faith, he prays this prayer for us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. This is what Paul wants for each of us, that we might be strengthened with power, that Christ might dwell in our hearts, that we might be grounded in love. Paul wants these things for us with such passion. He wants us to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Think about that. He's saying, I want you to know the love which is greater than you can possibly know. There's two kinds of knowing. You can know of or about something or you can know something. And Paul says, I want you to know the love that Jesus has for you, which is far greater than all of the facts or quotes or sermons that you might hear about that love. This love isn't just greater than we can wrap our heads around. It doesn't just stop there, because Paul continues to describe Jesus as the one who, by the power at work in us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all that we can ask or imagine. Jesus is God, the Lord of all creation. By his power, he called reality itself out of nothing into existence. It's by his will that the stars were flung into the canvas of space, that life began here on earth and people, Human beings of every size, shape, and race came into being. People whom he loved so much that he became human and dwelt among us. Seeking the joy of our becoming children and friends of God, he endured suffering and death upon the cross before being resurrected as an eternally living promise of love. He is able to accomplish abundantly more than we could ever imagine. And he does this through his power at work within us, the Holy Spirit, who makes Christ to dwell in our hearts, and by his presence there strengthens us in our inner being, and roots us in love. 
The power of the Holy Spirit was seen first when the Father raised Jesus from the dead, and is seen today through the healing, growth and transformation of our own personal lives. I believe that it is the presence of the Holy Spirit, with and in us, which is the key to that elusive something which happens in prayer, and that for our lives to develop from where we are to where we want to be, we need to choose to pray, to choose to encounter Jesus again and again. Even for disciples who have followed Jesus a long time, this can seem intimidating. Yet in our Gospel reading, we heard Jesus say to the disciples one of my favourite things, It is I. Do not be afraid. In a short while, we shall be receiving Holy Communion together, and I invite you to come forward. Eat the bread, drink the wine, or come simply for a blessing, and hear Jesus say to you, It is I. Do not be afraid. So come, we are all on a journey through life together. For it to go well, it has to be a journey of prayer, a journey walking with Jesus, and it's going to be better than we could possibly imagine. To him be glory in the church, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.